Nike's latest advert with Colin Kaepernick has caused a hell of a lot of debate. Some people have burned their sneakers, but others, like Stephen Hurahan, have nothing but praise for Nike. When that all came about, I saw a lot of different headlines, you know, especially out of mainstream media, you know, headlines like brand suicide. And I looked at that and I just thought to myself, wait for the dust to settle because Nike is the modern brand. They know exactly who their audience is. And when they come out with, with such a bold statement like that, they're not going off the cuff and, you know, just picking a side on a, a, a random topic. It's very, very calculated. Stephen runs Australian branding agency Iconic Fox. He's a big advocate of using brand archetypes to define a brand's position and to understand what consumers want from a brand. The modern consumer is they're, they're asking brands to take a stance, to, to have an opinion. And we're seeing more and more political brands today that are taking a stance on political issues. In today's show, Stephen and I talk about Nike's controversial advertising strategy and how communicators can use an understanding of brand archetypes to their advantage. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Thanks for joining me today, Stephen. I want to start off just by talking a bit about you because you're from near Dublin and now you're in Sydney and you said you've been living down there for 15 years or so. How did you end up down there in the first place? Yeah, Paul, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, it's been quite a while since since I made that trip. Uh, 15 years, as you said, back in 2002. So I think that's around about 15 years now. But yeah, I've been in Sydney uh, since then and I came over traveling at, at the time and I don't know if you've been to Sydney before. No, I haven't, no. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people that, that come over here, especially from our part of the world, you know, where the weather's quite different, they they tend to get stuck. And that's what happened to me. And, and uh, yeah, I've been here ever since and pretty much love it over here. Yeah, absolutely. So you established an agency down there. Was that around the same sort of time or is that more recent? No, no. My um, career developed. I, I was initially in the the corporate space. Okay. I was in the uh, the banking sector, and then I, I later moved into branding. I, I found myself more and more drawn to the the strategy of businesses and companies more so than their their bottom lines and the numbers. So, uh, so I was drawn in to that space and was in the creative side and then eventually branched into the strategy side and I've created a an agency over here that I've been running for the past few years and we focus on strategy and and creative and, and building brands okay and the reason well I invited you onto the podcast today was you reached out to me going back a few months now having seen something that I had put on the blog about brand archetypes which is mm-hmm. our big topic for day it's worth just touching on that actually because it's worth saying that i receive any number of cold emails any given week on different varieties of topics people wanting me to trial software or people wanting a reference in a blog post all sorts of things i very rarely respond to them i have to say and your approach was such that not only did it resonate with me but we've ended up talking on a podcast together. So when that came about, I assume you were tracking people mentioning brand archetypes? Yeah, so 
I was looking to do uh, a bit of outreach to generate some backlinks, just general SEO, because the topic that we're talking about, archetypes, I felt was really undercovered. I can't recall at all what I said in the email, but I, <laughs> I would imagine that uh, one of the reasons that you might have uh, reached back was maybe the style of the email. And that comes back to authenticity. And it's something that you know, I speak about a lot when it comes to brands and brand strategy and just communication in general within business, whether it's an outreach email or whether you're responding to uh, a customer uh, with a query or even a supplier. If you speak to people with genuine authenticity, it cuts through all of the noise that's out there. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, with a, a successful podcast, you get a lot of people sending you blanket emails that are just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Yeah. And you instantly dismiss them because, Absolutely. you know, you're just a number in their day. So, so that authenticity, I believe, translates right through any form of communication and is a big one for brands. Yeah. And as I recall, I, I like, you i don't remember the exact specifics but i do recall your email being very personal to me it was covering a topic that obviously you knew i had written about rather than taking a guess that i'd written about something and that encouraged me to actually click on the link in that and and then i discovered this fantastic resource on your website about archetypes and it was the combination i recall of your approach and the resource you pointed me to which made me want to get in touch with you. So I just wanted to raise that because it's a great example of the way outreach should be done because, su like you said, such a lot of it is, is rubbish, to be quite frank. Yeah. But anyway, so on to today's topic. So we're going to talk about brand archetypes, how they're used in marketing or how they can be used in marketing. One of the great lines in the resource that you pointed me to, which I'll put uh, a link in the show notes to this, was you talked about archetypes hacking the minds of your customers, which I thought was a great line. Do you want to just explain for the people listening what archetypes are? Yeah, so archetypes are a personality framework. So they, they go back quite a while. There's history in Greek philosophy Plato, which, you know, who was talking about forms of intuition that was like 350 BC or something like that. And it was just an idea that we all have this subconscious kind of primitive intuition and understanding of each other. And Carl Jung then in early last century, he then took that on and, and refined that a bit more. He was shoulder to shoulder with Sigmund Freud back in his day, but he touched on the collective subconscious and that what that's what he pulled out he he then coined the term archetypes and the idea is is that we all understand each other and there's typical patterns of behavior that repeat themselves that come together in groups of characteristics that we instantly recognize when we see them we don't necessarily recognize the archetype itself but the personality is very familiar to us and there are 12 core archetypes that, that Carl Jung came up with. And that's pretty much what we look at today when we're talking about brand archetypes. Yep. Early 2000s, I believe there was a book called The Hero and the Outlaw by Margaret Mark. And then archetypes was taken into the realm of branding. So initially, when Carl Jung was talking about them, it was more to do with our day-to-day -day personalities as opposed to anything got to do with branding. 
there was a quote in that book that archetypes are the heartbeat of a brand because they convey a meaning that makes customers relate to a product as if it were alive in some kind of way that they have a relationship about it and they care yeah. about it. And I think that relationship really is the core of branding, tapping into that relationship and, and the, the human connection that we have with brands. Yeah. And I mean, that's how I have explain them to my clients over the last few years and in the way I use them as well which I think again going back to when you outreach to me I think you said you hadn't seen them used in quite the way that I use them but it, it follows that same idea that you are trying to establish patterns of behavior and ways of telling stories to people that they associate what is uh, pretty nebulous in the in the form of a brand with with a human character at the end of the day yeah it, it comes back to you know what are we selling at the end of the day as a brand um yeah. you know a brand could be offering a service or a product but really what they're, they're selling is the solution. But more than that, they're selling the, the state that the person is in on the back of that solution. How do they feel before the solution? And then how do they feel after that? And that's what they're chasing. They want that feeling of that solution. And for the stress of, of whatever uh, the, the problem is causing to go away. So understanding the stress that they're in before the solution and what they want after the solution are really human emotions that brands need to tap into if they're going to resonate with their audience and personality is a great way to do that yeah absolutely do you want to run just over then some examples there are 12 archetypes mm -hmm. which i have seen actually described in different ways depending on the exact model that you choose but they are always very very similar mm. Do you just want to run over some examples of some of those? We won't go through all 12 because we'll be here all day, but just an example of a few of them together with the sort of brands that are employing them and, and how they're used in that in that manner. Yeah, so just quickly, the 12 are the outlaw, the magician, the hero, the lover, the jester, the everyman, the caregiver, the ruler, the creator, the innocent, the sage, and the explorer. Yep. Now, each of those essentially is a group of characteristics that draw on a particular emotion. So the outlaw is an example. It draws on liberation. So the desire to feel free and the desire for revolution. Yep. The outlaw is one that I quite like. And an example of an outlaw brand would be Virgin or Harley Davidson. And what we're looking at here is not necessarily what we want the brand to be but it's a combination of who the audience is what are their desires and what archetype of personality is the best fit to draw that desire out yep. so if you are you know someone who is a little bit rebellious in nature then the outlaw archetype the outlaw personality who's driven by liberation change righteousness revenge those types of characteristics might appeal to you. And a brand utilizing an outlaw archetype might use those characteristics in their, their messaging, in their, in their imagery, in their overall message, in their language and tone to really tap into the emotion that you feel for that revolution, to rebel against status quo. So understanding the emotions that your audience has and the personality that they are is a, a key aspect to deciding or, or developing 
what kind of archetype your brand is going to have. And Harley Davidson is a perfect example of an outlaw. And Harley Davidson is probably one of the most refined archetype examples yeah. because they don't have a mix of archetypes, which a, a lot of brands do. It's called an archetypal mix where you might have 70% of one archetype and maybe 30% of another, yep. depending on, on who your audience is. They're very much outlaw. And they really do portray that in every touch point and every piece of communication uh, with their audience. When they advertise their products, they're advertising mostly to white and blue collar professionals. They're yeah. not they're not advertising to just tattooed bikies. Yeah. The majority of their uh, sales are to white and blue collar workers who are working in, in the modern society. They might be sitting at a desk working on a computer, but inside them, maybe from their childhood or whatever it is, they have this desire to rebel and this this desire for, for liberation. And they tap into that with every touch point. And it's a really, really good example of how an archetype is is used in modern branding. My name's Helen Madden. I'm founder and director of Madden PR. There's several reasons that I find being a member really valuable. It gives me access to very quick training that's really cost-effective and really current, which is so essential for the work that I'm doing in terms of social media and digital. It gives me access to other people in my industry in terms of being able to use them as sounding boards. And then also in terms of just making sure that I'm on top of the hot topics of the industry. The Digital Download Membership Scheme gives you on-demand advice, support and coaching when you need it. With exclusive online training, video Q&As with topic experts and a members-only network to discuss all of the latest developments, it gives you the confidence and the peace of mind you need to succeed in digital communications. For full details of the membership scheme, visit paulsutton.co forward slash members. Another big example that I see time and time again is very current at the moment, actually, is Nike, which very much portrays the hero archetype and is, is steadfast mm. in that. Have you seen the recent adverts with Colin Kaepernick that are getting a lot of uh, attention at the moment? Yes, I have indeed. That, for me, encompasses exactly what we're talking about, where, OK, their adverts have caused a bit of controversy and a bit of a kickback from certain sectors, but... They know their customer so well and their own brand personality that they are able to produce something that absolutely fits with their archetype and will appeal to who they know their customer, their target customer is. Absolutely. You've, you've hit it spot on. When that all came about, I saw a lot of different headlines, you know, especially out of mainstream media, you know, headlines like brand suicide. And yeah. I looked at that and I just thought to myself, wait for the dust to settle yeah. because Nike is the modern brand. And actually, funnily enough, just today, I, I decided that I'm going to write a piece just specifically in relation to this campaign. And yeah. I think I played around with a couple of headlines already, and it was it was something along the lines of Nike is a modern brand shining a light into the future of brand relationships or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're 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 spot on. They they know exactly who their audience is and when they come out with, with such a bold statement like that, they're not going off the cuff and, you know, just picking a side on a, a, a random topic. Mm. It's very very calculated. Absolutely. And and they've got a history of this as well of them being 
ahead of the curve on issues like that. They had a they had an ad back in '94 where they they featured a runner who was HIV positive, yep. and at the time. It was the same thing. You had a lot of people burning their Nike shoes and things like that. But as you said, they know exactly who their audience is. Not only that, they know how the environment has changed uh, between brands and consumers as well and what's acceptable today. And not only acceptable, but demanded. Millennials have played a big role in that. And the power that they, they yield now is phenomenal. Like the shift in power from brands to the consumer in the past 20 years has really hinged on the millennials and, and the voice that they now have in the market based on, on the digital re- revolution that we've gone through in the last 20 years. And yep. Nike knows this. Nike knows what they want. They're very in touch with what they expect from a brand. And no doubt, looking at their figures, the people buying their products will be millennials and under the majority anyway and and i i've seen some early statistics from their their sales figures just on the back of this and their sales are 27 percent higher than where they were this time last year so yeah i saw a similar thing the stat i saw was that their sales had jumped 31 percent in the short period after the campaign to the short period before so obviously it's had a massive impact a massive beneficial impact mm. and when when you said about they're an example of the future brand and the way future brands perhaps need to behave the fact that they are prepared to stand for something is something that the millennial audience actually really respects but not every brand can jump onto doing this at the moment, I think. No. And that links into exactly what we're talking about, that the archetype and them knowing their archetype so well. Because without that, they could quite, or any brand could quite easily become very unstuck. Well, they, they can and, and they are getting unstuck because the modern consumer is, they're, they're asking brands to take a stance, to, to have an opinion. And we're seeing more and more political brands today that are taking a stance on political issues. Yeah. Um, initially, you know, after the millennials initially found their voice and, and social media became this platform for this collective voice, it was initially brands being called out on their unethical processes and, and brands didn't know what to do with that at the start. There was a lot of bloody nose brands going around making apologies and they learned very quickly the power of the consumer and they they started to tread lightly but that defensiveness later turned into preemptive action and and rather than being afraid of of what their customer wanted they went out in search of what their customer wanted and they looked at what people were talking about and specifically what their audiences were talking about and the social issues and the environmental issues became such a thing And and that's why brand purpose today is such a big topic now you're maybe in one camp or the other you might think brand purpose is a marketing fad and it's just you know another way for brands to push their product through seemingly you know responsible issues and then there's the others the other side that think it's the future of branding but whatever way you look at it it's brands reacting to what their customers want and listening uh, because it's very easy to do that today with social listening and uh, to what what their audiences are talking about and and what they really want so yeah so nike are a perfect example of how they can do that but as you said you know you have to be careful with that because these are sensitive issues and for every topic there are two sides so knowing your audience is really key to that as you said yeah 
From a practical sense, then. So the way I use brand archetypes is when I'm putting together digital strategies for, for my clients, I use them to help define the tone of voice that a brand should employ in specifically social media, but broadly across digital. Mm -hmm. So I will typically zone in on one to two of the archetypes that I think fit. And I will then define in a written sense what that tone of voice of that brand should be, which then in turn controls the language that they use on their social media channels and how they talk to people, how they respond, all that sort of yep. stuff. That's the way I use them. How do you use them when you're going about broader sort of branding work? Yeah, so look, that's a great way to use them from from marketing communication point of view. The the tone of voice and the personality and, and how you speak to your audience online is, is very important and yeah. personality makes a big difference there. When I'm developing a brand, I'm usually doing it from scratch as opposed to kind of add-ons. And it allows me to really weave a personality into the fabric of the brand from the very beginning. Okay. So when you look at a brand from a strategic point of view, you have your internal branding and your external branding. So your customer-facing brand and, and your non-customer-facing brand. And Everything that you see today, a lot of which has come on the back of the shift in consumer power to the millennials and, and what they're looking for is a much more human connection to the brand. Because if you throw it back to the 80s and 90s and, and look at the way brands used to communicate then, it was it was all broadcast communication. It was all one way. Yeah. They set the terms, they broadcast what they wanted, and there was there was no recourse. There was no information coming back. It wasn't a two-way conversation. It was a one-way conversation. And then obviously, you know, with the internet and social media, as I've covered, all of that's changed. And the communication now is very much two-way. And it, we're still in a teething process where brands are still communicating in one-way fashion. Whereas consumers want this two-way relationship. And that's why there's a lot of talk about brand authenticity, because a lot of brands haven't really grasped that yet. They're still talking one way, and they're not really embracing this two-way communication. Yeah. So all of that internal branding, uh, your purpose, your vision, your mission, your values, they're very humanistic traits. Brands didn't really have them back then in, in the 80s and 90s, or, or if they did, it was was very much in, in the minority. But you know, when you're developing a brand and you're looking at all of that, everything comes back to the audience. Yeah. Okay, it's great that you're going out there and you're, you want to have a purpose and make an impact on social issues and environmental issues. And I truly believe that is the future of brands. But how does that relate to your audience? If your audience has no interest in it or they deem you as not being in an appropriate position to talk about that, then it's not going to be relevant. That happened with Starbucks a few years ago. They came out with this campaign, Race Together, and the wider public basically shot them down and said, well, look, you're not in a position to talk about this. Yep. And the, the wider public is the judge, jury, and executioner at the end of the day, and they decide whether or not you qualify to be able to speak about something like that. But when you're developing a brand from, from the inside out, it allows you to look at who your customer is. It allows you to look at what kind of purposeful endeavors might you follow that will be in tune with who your audience is. And then obviously the vision, the mission, and the values that you want to portray, all of those are, are based on who your audience is. 
then when you get into the more strategic arm of it, which is, you know, your, your brand position and the core of that is who your audience is, but it's also who your competition is, where are the gaps in the market and what your differentiator is going to be in relation to the current market environment. And then, of course, it comes into your personality, your brand expression, how you're going to bring all of that together in a way that is going to appeal to your audience. And that's that comes through in your language, your tone, your personality as a whole. And it also spills into your visual identity as well. So yeah. when you're building a brand from scratch and you have your audience at the core and those emotions that I spoke about before as well. It allows you then to have that personality in mind as to how you speak to those two parts. And and as I said, weave that in throughout the brand all the way through from you know, you know, your brand promise to to your tagline, to your mission. And then, as you said, right out through to your marketing strategy and your social media communication, your website copy, and all of the imagery that all help portray that personality as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's work that I, I have to say I really like doing with my clients when, when I get to do this stuff, helping them to create difference from their competitors and differentiating them in a very human way, I think, is the way to look at it. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that I, I find quite fascinating, actually, from a psychological perspective. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I could talk about this all day, actually, because I think it's, it's uh, an incredible topic. I'm going to point people to the resource that you initially sent me on your website. That'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Where can people contact you online if they'd like to talk to you further about this? Yeah, so you can just jump on to our website at iconicfox.com.au and your your link that you'll be popping in the notes will direct them to the specific resource on that website. So once they're on the website, they can uh, get in, in touch with us from there. Yeah, and I have to say, for anyone listening, the resource that Stephen sent to me is the best that I have seen on this topic. It encompasses everything in there, so it's well worth a look. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Lovely, yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I'm very surprised that the time has passed so quickly I could keep babbling on about that. <laughs> I'm interested in the psychology part of it. But yeah, great to talk to you, Paul. And and thanks very much for having me on. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.